Welcome to Run 12-1 Podcast. I'm your host, Pastor Justin Gowen. Well, thank you for joining us. This is Pastor Justin Goins with Run 12-1 Podcast. And uh, this week, we're going to be continuing our study in the book of Acts, which takes us actually into chapter number nine. And it is an instrumental historical passage, Acts chapter number <clears throat> Acts chapter number nine. What is it? Well, it is the conversion of Paul or Saul. Have you ever <clears throat> heard somebody say, uh, maybe you're talking about Christ, maybe you've ever, you know, you're in a shopping or maybe you're at dinner and whatever the case may be, it doesn't matter where you're at. Have you ever heard maybe directly said to you or overheard somebody said, man, then I don't, yeah, yeah, this God, or yeah, I believe, you know, I love God or whatever the case is, but man, surely I'm, I've done way too much stuff in my life, you know, for God to save me. I'm, I'm way past saving. Have you ever heard that? I mean, it, it may not be that exact word, but something along those lines that somebody thinks they are unable to be saved. Well, here's the worst thing. Have you ever maybe thought somebody is unable to be saved? Like maybe you and of yourself have have thought of somebody so wicked that you're like, man, surely that person is has gone too far. There's no return for that person. Well, um, I believe that so long as an individual is breathing, they still have an opportunity. And not just because I believe this, I believe this is what God's word tells us. Um, that no, regardless of a person's actions, they still can be saved until the point of death. Why do I say that? Well, because it's not based off of works. Salvation is not based off of work. So you can't do enough bad things in order to be unsaved or rather beyond saving just as much as you can't do enough good things in order to be saved. Let me say that again. You can't do enough bad things in order not to be saved just as if you can't do a any number of good things in order to be saved. Salvation is not based off of your actions, your works, good or bad. They are based off of Jesus's Christ's righteousness, his perfect work of life, death, and resurrection. That is so key to understand because we are introduced in this section. And I'm going to read just the first nine verses for you today, and that's what we're going to look at. We're going to be introduced to an individual called Saul and Paul. Um, Saul and Paul is the same man. A lot of people think that when he was saved and his name was converted to Paul, um, that's not the case. Saul and Paul was the same person, always has been the same person. I believe Saul was his Roman name and Paul was his Jewish name. He was always known as Paul to the Jews. However, in Rome or being a Roman citizen of Tarsus, he was also, and, and, and that was key in that day and age. No matter what your gender was or, or not gender, but no matter what your ethnicity was, Rome would rename you. And that was very common in that day and age. But with that being said, it says in verse one, and Saul, yet breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord, went unto the high priest. He continues and said, and desired of him, him, meaning Paul desired of him, the high priest, letters to Damascus, to, this, to the synagogues, 
that if he found any of this way, what way? Well, the way of, of we've learned about, <clears throat> this is kind of picking up at the end of chapter number seven. We had this kind of hiatus in chapter eight. We get this amazing gospel proclamation of, of Stephen. Uh, the congregation's persecuted. We see the gospel proclaimed in Samaria. Uh, Philip is taken away to go to the Ethiopian eunuch, and he witnesses to the Ethiopian eunuch. The Ethiopian eunuch gets saved, gets baptized, and that's kind of where we concluded chapter nine, or rather where God concluded chapter number, sorry, number eight. Chapter nine is picking up, but it's kind of going back to the end or picking up chapter seven, whereas Paul was there at the feet of one named Stephen. And how do we know that? Uh, well, if we go back to, let's see here, that's chapter six, se- chapter six, Stephen is is stoned. We get to verse 58 and it says, and cast him out of the city and stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their clothes at a young man's feet, whose name was Saul. So Saul was there for the stoning of Stephen. He was a witness of it. Well, this Saul, the same Saul, was a very zealous for his faith, meaning he believed in this Judaism type of mentality of works-based. He completely denied Jesus at first, denied who he was, did not believe Jesus was the Son of God, and went to the extent of saying these people are so bad of hypocrites and heretical teachers that we need to stone them and kill them. And that's what the bit, bit that, that's what we just really read about in verses one and two of chapter nine. Paul went to the high priest and said, I need to get your authority to go to Damascus and on the way as well and take anybody who was of this way, meaning Stephen's way, aka Christians, follower of Jesus, and we can beat them, bruise them, whatever the case may be, and bring them to lock them up in a jail. Let me keep on reading. Verse three. Verse two, and he desired of him letters to Damascus, to the synagogues, that if he found any of this way, whether they were men or women, he might bring them bound to, unto Jerusalem. And as he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly there shined round about him a light from heaven. And he fell to the earth and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And he answered, who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest, meaning you are persecuting my people, you're persecuting me. It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And he, meaning Paul, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what will you have me to do? What, 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 what do you want me to do? I mean, he was stuttering, stammering, scared, fearful. And the Lord said unto him, Arise and go into the city, and it shall be told thee what thou must do. And the men which journeyed with him stood speechless, hearing a voice, but seeing no man. And Saul rose up from the earth, and when his eyes were opened, he saw no man, but he led him by the hand and brought him to, into Damascus. And he was three days without sight, and neither did eat nor drink. So I go back to my kind of opening statement here. You ever heard anybody who's ever said the fact that they're too far gone, too far gone, they never can be saved? Or the fact maybe you've thought that about somebody. Well, I've said it to you that that's not the case because you can't do enough bad things in order not to be saved meaning in, in order that you can never be saved, you're already born in sin, fused with sin, separated from God, and therefore you do have to do nothing and you will spend eternity in hell. But that doesn't, and you can't do another one, two, five, five hundred thousands, whatever the case may be, more bad things in order to get to the point of not being able to be saved. Because salvation is never based off of your work performance. Because just like that scenario, you can't do enough good things in order to gain your salvation or to earn your salvation. The Bible says uh, this in verse 8 of Romans chapter 5, 
It says, but God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than being now justified by his blood or or legally declared not guilty by what? By his works or I mean by your works? No, by his blood, Jesus's blood. We shall be saved from wrath through him. Get this. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. And not only so, but we also joy in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we have now received the atonement or reconciliation. What Paul just said to the church at Rome, and he's writing this, the same man that understood that he, this salvation that he was now experiencing as we just read about Acts chapter 9, <clears throat> is writing years later to the church of Christians in Rome of God's love, how you're justified not by your earning, not by your merit, but by the merit of Jesus Christ, faith in Jesus Christ. Christ. And until then, you were an enemy of God, an enemy that was able to be redeemed, regardless of how far enemy you were. But pastor, how do you know that? Well, we jump all the way down to verse 21. I love this verse, or verse 20, or, or let's jump up to verse 19 of Romans chapter 5. For as by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners. So by the obedience of one, shall many be made righteous. Check this out in verse 20. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound. Hear me, but where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. I love saying it this way concerning that verse. On your most heaping, steamy pile of sin, day or month or stretch, whatever the case may be, no matter what you have done, how high that pile of stinky, steamy sin is, the Bible says God's grace is above it. He can and will forgive it and save you. Where sin did abound, grace did much more abound. Is there ever a person who cannot be saved? Yes, the person who goes to their grave dying, refusing to receive Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. There is a sin on the death. There is a sin on the death. And a death of, or sorry, a a sin, not sin on the death, but really a an impardonable sin. The impardonable sin of being blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. The convicting of the Holy Spirit of God all the way to the grave where you blaspheme, where you go and reject it. To the point of saying, okay, well, you get one lifetime. I like how David Platt says it. You get this life, life in time, to respond in faith to the good news of Jesus Christ. If you reject in this lifetime that good news, you will spend the next lifetime in eternity with that choice, bound in hell, without the opportunity to be saved. You have this one lifetime to respond to the gospel. No matter what your friend may say, point him to Romans chapter number five, verse 20. Or sin did abound. Christ did much more abound. I get it. Maybe you can't fathom being saved, but you're not God. Praise God. God knew all your sin, and he still sent Christ to die for it. Saul, Paul, a massive persecutor of Christians, killing, threatening, beating, putting in prison. We just read it, Acts chapter 9. God saved him and used him to pen over 80% of the New Testament that we have today. 
started many churches. The spread of the globalization of the gospel came from that man, who many in that day and age probably would assume Christians, so to speak. That guy kills has killed so many Christians, no way he could be saved. Where sin did abound, grace did much more abound. There is never a person who cannot be saved. Every person has the opportunity to receive Christ, no matter how much evil or bad they have done in this lifetime. That may not be comprehensible to your mind, but that is the comprehensive love, eternal love that God has for us and for every individual. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish, but of everlasting life. This is Pastor Justin Goins with Run 12.1 Podcast. God bless. Thanks for taking the time to listen to Run 12.1 Podcast. Run your marathon race that God has placed you in. God bless. Thank you.